Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Every Easter, people come in, every Sunday really, but every Easter specifically, people come in that you're hurting, you're broken, you're in darkness, you're in depression, you're in despair, and you leave finding hope and fullness and wholeness in Jesus Christ. And today could be your day. Are you with me? Somebody say, it's my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, around my house, there's this, this new game that has popped up recently that my kids love playing hide and seek. Uh, I used to love playing hide and seek when I was a kid or a little bit younger, but, but the older I get and the bigger I get, it's hard to hide all this. You know, like, like when I was smaller, you could kind of, you know, find little crevices to hide in, but this is hard to hide. Like, I'm not very good at hide and seek anymore, at least not in the house. And, um, and so, but my kids love to play hide and seek. And I developed a way that when I'm seeking, because I have to do it a lot because they find me first a lot. So I have to seek. Um, and so when I'm seeking, I developed a way to find my kids really quickly. Um, I found out, uh, especially with the youngest, with Brody, I found out that if I make, uh, y'all forgive me, I know it's Easter and I know it's Sunday and some of you are going to be offended at this, but if I make farting noises as I'm walking around, I'm walking around, I'm going to find you, then he can't help but start giggling. In fact, to the point that some of y'all dads, y'all know what I'm talking about. You got to use what, you know, you know, I might not be bigger, but I got, I got brains. I got, I, you know, and, um, and so, so, so they actually made a rule now. Like Brody will be like, you can't make noises. That's cheating. Like it's not cheating. It helps. It works. Right. Uh, because I discovered that if I can hear him, I can know where he is. I've also discovered that if I can hear him, I know he's there. And I want to talk for a few moments on this idea of hearing God today. And I want to do it through the resurrection story in, in the book of John. And there's this, there's this fisherman, this, this young kid, probably the youngest of the disciples, it's believed, that, that he's a fisherman and Jesus walks by and says, come follow me. And he leaves everything to follow Jesus and becomes one of the disciples. And like I said, traditionally, he's the youngest of all of the disciples. And so he's following Jesus. And years later in his life, after the first autobiography, of Jesus have already been written, he decides to take it upon himself to write his autobiography of Jesus and share his unique perspectives on it. And so he writes, I said autobiography, he writes a biography of Jesus uh, that we now refer to as the Gospel of John, right? And in John chapter 20, he's beginning to tell the story of, of the resurrection account. And uh, it kind of starts, I'm not going to read all of it, but if you were to read the beginning of the chapter, it starts like this. Uh, this lady named Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb because she's checking up on the tomb when Jesus, she goes there and realizes that the stone that has been put there by the Romans has now been rolled away. And she doesn't know what's going on. She freaks out. She loses her mind because what would you do? Like somebody has stolen the body. So she runs and goes and tells Peter and John. And she runs back to them. She's like, ah, they've taken the body. I don't know what it sounded like. That's how I picture it. Like somebody's taking the body. What's going on? And, and they don't know what to do either. So, so Peter and John get up and they run to the tomb from wherever they're at. They, they run, they sprint. Uh, in fact, one of the funny things about scripture, and because John is the one who's writing it, he can share from his viewpoint. So he makes sure to let you know that he outran Peter. One of the reasons you know he's a younger disciple, right? He's like, he's like, listen, just in case you were curious who got to the tomb first, it was me. And so John gets to the tomb first, and Peter's right behind him. He outran him. And they get there, and they look, and they find it just like she said. It's an empty tomb, but that doesn't mean he resurrected, because at that point, they're not thinking of resurrection. They're thinking somebody's stolen the body. This is a big controversial thing going on. And so they're very concerned with what has happened. Um, and so they, at that point, go back, Peter and John, they go back uh, home questioning everything that happens. But Mary, <laughs> but Mary stays. Mary remains. Can I tell you there's a blessing for those of you who will remain? There are some times that life will not make sense. There are some times it feels like, God, where are you at? But there is a blessing for those who will remain at empty tombs trying to figure out what's going on and you just don't leave. And so she remains, she remains. And that's where we pick up the story right here in John chapter number 20, verses 11 through 18. It says, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, 
one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. I wonder how many times God's been with us, but we didn't know it. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? I think he's messing with her. That's my opinion. (laughs) Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, one word, one name, Mary. (laughs) She suddenly turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She apparently runs and clings to him, grabs a hold of him because Jesus said, listen, take your hands off me. Get off me, woman. He said, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to the father and to your father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. That's good news. And she told them that he had said these things to Hey, I want to talk to you for the next few moments with an emphasis in the resurrection story on this idea that God speaks. God speaks. In fact, Christianity is unique among world religions in the fact that it's the only one that has an expectation of God speaking. You can go to Hinduism or Islam or, 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 or uh, 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 Buddhism or some other religion, and there may be moments that God does speak to them, as they, they would say it, but there's no expectation of God speaking. There's not like I pray and I expect to hear God's voice. In fact, many people in those religions would pray many times for their whole lifetime and never hear the voice of God or even say that they heard the voice of God. This, this separates Christianity from other religions, but it separates it from other religions because Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, you can have an assumption that you can actually communicate with him, which is where we get the idea that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, um, many people in the body of Christ in the church world have done a very uh, poor job of reflecting this because many of us have been trained and taught that God only speaks through the Bible. Now, I do not want to in any way discredit the Bible or lower the standard of the Bible or anything like that, but let me be clear. God speaks to you and I through the Holy Spirit, not just through the Bible. If you believe that he only speaks through the Bible, first of all, you're creating an impotent God who's confined to the words of his past words, to his past scripture, and those are very important. I'm not taking away from that. I'm only saying that God still speaks today. In fact, before the Bible was ever written, before it was put into words, God was speaking. That's how we got the words. Are you with me? God speaks, and he speaks in the Bible, but he also speaks outside of the Bible. And uh, in fact, one of the problems we have in the church world is, is we want to be Christians. We want to be followers of Jesus. But as we're doing that, we tend to have a, a deafness to his voice by isolating it and saying, you only speak one way. Uh, that has never been the way it was. It was not in the Bible. It's not outside of the Bible. It's a church tradition and Christian tradition that comes outside of that. And learning to hear God's voice is the most powerful thing you will ever do in life. Let me say that again for everybody in the back row. Learning to hear God's voice is the most powerful thing you will ever do in your life. Because God wants to be your spiritual GPS. He wants to be your wisdom. He wants to be your guide. He wants to walk with you and talk with you throughout life. He wants to be there for you. Are you with me? And when you learn to discern his voice and hear his voice, then all of a sudden, now you have a relationship with Jesus Christ that sets you apart from others in the world that simply have wisdom that comes from textbooks and universities. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But it's much better to have divine wisdom than just practical wisdom. You know, there are some things you can't learn from Google. Come on, y'all. You can Google it, but you might not find the right answer. So, so, so God speaks. Uh, but secondly, I want to say this. God speaks specifically. <coughs> God speaks specifically. Uh, this is important because uh, around America, a lot of people don't have an issue with God speaking to them, but they believe God speaks in generalities. Uh, general revelation is the way it would be referred to. And so general revelation, like God speaks to me in a sunset. That's awesome. Like, I'm glad God speaks to you in a sunset. God will speak to me in a sunset. But that's a general revelation. And God never speaks to me in a sun, or I should even say, like sunrise. God never speaks to me in a sunrise because I'm never up that early. 
If I'm up that early, something's wrong or I'm going fishing. That's, all, that's, that's, like, that's it right there. I'm like sick to my stomach and up or like, I don't want to get up that early. And lest all you like, yeah, I get up that early all the time. Listen, I had like a thousand people come to me. That's awesome. We're doing a sunrise service on Easter Sunday. We're like, oh my goodness, are we going to have enough room? Like 20 something of y'all showed up. No, so everybody says they get up early and then you actually make them get up early. We'll see what happens. I'm just saying, this is 11 o'clock service. Y'all know, y'all ain't up early. And so, so, so you see the sunrise or the sunset over the beach or something, and that's so beautiful, and God speaks to me in these generalities. Sometimes people refer to like childbirth in this way. It's like God speaks to me in this amazing experience. Some people stand before the Grand Canyon in this, this incredible canyon that makes you feel so small, and it's like this, 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 uh, this moment where God is speaking to you, this transcendent moment where God is speaking to you, and you realize that God is there, and that's beautiful. God will speak to you through generalities. It's like the, the George Strait song, I saw God today. There's these, these generalities that people generally don't have a problem with God speaking to you. The other way people don't have a problem with God speaking to you is, is uh, in fact, I heard one atheist say it this way. He said, God is just a magic eight ball. It's always going to be, you remember magic eight balls? You shake it up and he said, God is just a magic eight ball. You shake it up and it's going to be yes, no, or maybe. And I've actually heard well-meaning preachers preach this. They said, God's answers to you are always going to be yes, no, or maybe. And if that's how you can find God, well, that's a magic eight ball. But I want to tell you that God does not just say yes, no, or maybe. God will say, listen, don't let your kids go to that thing because if they go to that thing, something bad is going to happen. If something's on you, he said, no, 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 I got to do that. God will say, no, I want you to go to this college, even though that college makes a lot more sense. I want you to go to this college because I have something for you. Are you with me? It's not just a yes, no, or maybe. You can have specific words from God where he speaks to you, not in general revelation, but in specific revelation. It's, 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 you know, general revelation is like, just go north. But specific revelation is like having a GPS that's guiding you each step of the way in leading your life. And that's how he wants to lead you. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is my guide. Shepherds don't drive sheep. Shepherds stand in front of them and speak and you follow. He is my shepherd and he wants to lead us and guide us by his voice, both in the word of God and in the specific revelation for your specific circumstance that he gives you as he speaks to you. Are you with me? I I remember uh, talking about life changing moments. I remember uh, when I was a very young man, I'm 19 years old and and I get radically saved and I'm sold out for God. Now I had always known, uh, I was one of those weird kids. Like I knew I was going to end up being a preacher. I didn't necessarily want to be, but I knew it. It was like this general revelation, this general, and I just kind of knew it in my, my heart of hearts. And I'd be the one, you know, drugged up at a party telling other people that I'm going to be a preacher one day. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I was that kid. And, um, and then I get radically saved and God's moving on my life and I'm in the church every time the doors are open and, and all this. And I, and I go to a Saturday night prayer service because we used to have those back in the day. And a Saturday night prayer service at Fort Alify Assembly of God. Every once in a while, there's somebody that's still around from back then. Fort Alify Assembly of God. And, and, and they had pews at this point. And I'm laying under a pew during this prayer service because that's what we did because the spiritual ones laid under the pew. <laughs> and I'm laying under the pew. <clears throat> And I'm singing this song. Some of you will remember this. It'll take you back. I'm singing, uh, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Y'all remember that? And I'm, I'm singing that song as I'm laying under the pew and worshiping and just laying there in his presence. And I got to the line that said, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. And I got to that line and it's like the Holy Spirit just fell on me. And I started shaking and getting the Pentecostal jerks and the shakes and, and I'm, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and in God's presence, I would have been slain in the spirit if I wasn't already laying down. In fact, some people would say that's why people get slain in the spirit because they're not on their face before God in the first place, but that's another message. And so, so I'm laying on the ground and I'm shaking and God's presence is all over me and I felt it. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. God said, all right, you know, you were called to preach, but now is the time. Now's the time. 
Now's the time. And I'm, and I'm shaking, and I'm laying there under this pew, and I'm like, well, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. <laughs> and, and, and I get up, and, and that little prayer service ended, and I'm like, I got to tell somebody, right? Because hey, you got to tell somebody. And, and I walk outside, and the youth pastor, that I was a youth leader already, and the youth pastor is standing outside, and I walked up to him, and I wasn't as much nervous or scared as I was like the Holy Spirit was on me. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only Pentecostal in the room? I know y'all Presbyterians, y'all are all sane, but, <clears throat> but I'm like shaking under the power of my pastor, pastor Greg. I, I, I really feel like God is calling me to preach. That was the first time I had ever actually said it out of my life, my mouth in like a context that would matter. Right. And I feel like God is calling me to, to, to preach and Greg as cool as he could be, man, my youth pastor, he said, okay, I want you to speak this Wednesday night in youth. I'm like, this was Saturday night. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's really short notice, man. I didn't mean like this week. I meant like I go to Bible college, do that stuff, and then come back later in a few years and preach. I'm like, that's four days, man. That's four. And I preached my first message four days later. Within months, I was a full-time youth pastor at that church. That's what one word will do. That's what the word of God will do in your life. He said, I had the general revelation that I was called. Many of you have that. But then I had this specific revelation that now is the time. And from the moment I said yes to that word I heard from God, months later, I'm in full-time ministry and have been now for close to 25 years. It led to where we are here in this church today. Listen, if you don't take my word for it, how about this awesome testimony uh, from Lisa Miller? Watch this video. I went in for a routine colonoscopy. It was just one of those, it's time in your life type things. And I thought that everything went well. And I was in recovery and all of a sudden, everything was crazy. The nurses are running into my bedside saying, you gotta get up, you gotta get onto the gurney, we gotta take you to the emergency room. Something happened, we've cut your colon, we have, you have free air in your abdominal cavity and we have a surgeon waiting for you. They, at that time, I called my pastor from another church I was attending at the time, and he met me at the, hosp at the hospital, and we were praying. They met me there with a the surgeon, and the surgeon is like, we're gonna have to do this major surgery on you, and, or you'll be in this hospital for six weeks with the IV. I didn't know what to do. I was just like so confused. And we started praying. And I heard God say not to, not to do anything yet, to have faith in Him, just to step back a minute. So I did. After we prayed, I asked the surgeon, can I please have another x-ray? Like I just felt God did not want me to move forward with this, that He just wanted me to trust in Him. So they sent me in for another x-ray, and guess what? There was no cut. There was no free air. It was gone. I was healed. Like, I was so excited. Like, it was there. And now it's not. Everybody was praising God right there in the hall. And that is how I heard the voice of God. That's what the voice of God will do. He will speak to you in your life and save you from pain, from surgeries, from six weeks in the hospital. Anybody want to guess how much that costs? Too much. He will save you from the things that you would go through if you don't hear his voice. Why would we ever want to be mute on his voice? He wants to lead us and guide us by his voice. And so, so, so a while after being the youth pastor at this little church, I find myself, I'm, I'm, I'm playing guitar by this point and, and singing some with this little band. And, and we find ourselves playing at this youth retreat. Three youth groups coming together. Mine was one of them coming together. Stinky kids, smelly socks, teenagers who haven't learned to use deodorant yet. Everything that a youth retreat should be. Little room, little chapel that didn't have air conditioning. God bless us. I don't know what we were thinking. 
And I'm up here leading worship, playing guitar. And I was always the guy who would lead worship and stay until everybody left. It's like, listen, if there's still five people staying to worship, I'm going to keep playing. And we'll play all night. We'll go 48 hours, you know, whatever. And, uh, and so I'm up here playing my guitar, and I'm, I'm leading. And everybody had left. I would sent the rest of the band. I'm like, all right, you guys can go. And it's just me and maybe five or six, seven, I don't know, other people that are up front. And, and you do most of them kneeling down and different things. And, and this woman who I had just started dating uh, relatively soon before that, this girl is sitting down here in front of me and um she, she's knelt down with her on her knees she's got her hands up in the air um her name was Ada by the way and, and she got her hand up in the air and she's just going after it she, she really hasn't changed at all I can still walk in my bedroom at any given week and see the exact same thing I saw 23 years ago whatever that would have been um and so I'm, I'm there leading worship and she's down on the floor and, and she's got the hair like all down on her face and mascara running and snot going. I mean, it was the picture of beauty, y'all. It was just, it's what every man wants. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm playing guitar and she's right there in front of me. And we weren't, I mean, as far close as we are right now, just 10 feet from each other or so. And I'm playing guitar and it's clear as day the Lord spoke to me and says, she's the one you're gonna marry. And that's why. The that's why is what's key to this. This is the one you're going to marry, and that's why. I had no idea. I was doing ministry because it was fun. Yeah, it was called, but I got to be a youth pastor, y'all. I took kids to Disney World and got paid for it. It was awesome. <laughs> so, so I had no idea at, at, at you know, so young of an age that eventually I would be standing next to somebody who is one of the greatest ministers I've ever been around, the greatest woman of God that I know that gets to help fulfill the ministry call on my life. I had no idea. You know who did know? God knew. God knew. Listen, he will direct your steps because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows where you're going. And sometimes he will direct your steps in this moment to get you to where you need to be that you can't even see it yet. And literally every major decision of my life that I have ever had has been led by the voice of God. And I can only tell you it works. <laughs> it works. He is my shepherd. He is my guide. He is my spiritual and physical GPS in so many ways. It works. And, and, and I've been living this way for so long. And some of us have been getting our wisdom from every other place other than the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it shows. <laughs> sometimes we will make a wreck of our lives because we're doing what makes sense instead of seeking God's face. Now, most of the time, what makes sense is probably the right thing. But there are other times that what makes sense is not what God wants. And you can see right now, you can't see 20 years down the road. And there's so much you could save yourself of pain and hassle if we would just listen to the voice of God. But not only will God speak for our sake, God will speak for other people's sake. Um, uh, years ago now, maybe um, 10 years ago or so, uh, I was in Costa Rica uh, preaching a revival type services there with a missions team from our church. And, and I get to the altar call and all these people are coming forward to the altar call and I'm praying for everybody walking around. And, and I kept hearing this, this, this voice, like, like, like God speaking to me, this name, Luis, Luis. And me being really faithful and believing in my ability to hear from God was like, I'm not saying that. I mean, it wasn't like a big group. It was maybe 50, 60 of us. I'm like, what if there's not a Luis here? I'm going to look really stupid right now. Because come, come on, that's how we think, isn't it? And I'm like, I'm not listening to that. So I just kept praying for people and, you know, God's moving. And then Luis, Luis, Luis. And I'm like, all right, all right, come, all right God. And keep praying for people. And by this point, it's probably 30 minutes. And like some of the people had started leaving because it was getting late. And, uh, and then we're kind of staying around. And so when it was kind of all over at that point, I looked over to the pastor of the church and I said, is there somebody here named Luis? He looks at me and his eyes get really big. And he goes, yes. Then he's like, no, he just left. I'm like, yeah, I'm a man of faith, passion. I just, God speaks. I just speak. Yeah. Okay. I messed that up. So, um, I'm like, listen, I don't know what this is. God didn't give me anything but his name. That's all I got. I said, but, but if he'll come back tomorrow night, God wants to do something in this guy's life. Cause he won't leave me alone about it. And he's like, all right, we'll, we'll bring him back the next day. And so we have the next night's revival type service. And, and he comes in and even before the service, the pastor brings up and said, this is Luis. And I got to hear his story that Luis was literally one of the ones who built the walls in the church by himself. He's like one of those groundwater rock, bedrock church members who, who have got their blood, sweat and tears in this building and in this congregation. And, and they're explaining all that to me through a translator. And then they're explaining, I said, well, why would God want me to pray for you? Do you need a healing or something? And I learned that he had a hernia, but he had something even 
greater than that. And, and that was, he was in a car accident like 20 years prior that had severed a nerve in his leg. It, was, it would cause constant pain that went up his leg. And it was like a constant, never ending, he just kind of got used to it, pain that was always there. And we're like, okay, we're going to believe God that God's going to heal you because he obviously wants something. Luis, <laughs> that's all I know. And so, so we gather around and we pray for, for Luis and God heals him. Now, I thought that was cool. Like, God heals him. That's awesome. That's good. We love to celebrate that. What was really cool was the next day. He comes in, and he comes over early. And he said, Pastor, he said, Pastor, he said, I couldn't sleep all night long. This is through translator. He said, I kept looking at my leg going, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Because God had so healed him after like 20 years of constant pain. All right. How many times does God want to do something through you, but you have to hear God's voice? I have to hear God's voice and then be obedient to it. And there's no telling what God would do if we would let him be our shepherd, let him be our guide. If you don't take my word for it, I love this testimony. Just a, a couple months ago, watch this testimony from Tina Blunt. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I'd had a great time that evening at a Super Bowl party, but it was third quarter. And you know how parties are at Super Bowls. There's lots of talking going on. And if I can be honest with you, I wanted to get home to the fourth quarter because I just wanted to watch the game in peace and in quiet. And so I left the party and I wasn't even a half a mile away from where the party was. And I developed a craving for a Diet Coke. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I like my Diet Coke. And I could have gone home and, and just had one 15 minutes later, but the craving was so strong that I just kind of pushed the thought away that there was one waiting at home for me and I pulled into the nearest McDonald's. As I pulled in, my daughter said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I have to have a Diet Coke. And she kind of rolled her eyes at me just a little bit and said, okay, well order me one too. And so I ordered the Diet Coke and I pulled up to the window. And as I pulled out my credit card to reach over and, and hand her payment for my Diet Coke, the Lord immediately downloaded to me a word of knowledge. And he showed me that in the very near future that somebody was going to come into her life and attempt to traffic her. I don't mean kidnap her, I mean traffic her. And I knew it, and I knew that it was the voice of God. It wasn't audible, but I knew it in every fiber of my being. And so I'm looking at her, trying to decide, what do I do with this knowledge? What, what do I do? How do I tell this young girl that this is what's going to happen? And so as she handed me back my, my card, I sat there for just a moment, just trying to get the next word from God. My daughter said, Mom, there's no one in front of you. Go, go. Like, Mom, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? Go. And I just sat there and I knew I needed to say something. And I thought, God, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to trust you to fill it. And so I kind of waved at her and she opened the window again. And I said to her, I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm not. I'm just in love with a crazy God who also loves you. And I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that in the very near future, there is going to be an older man that comes into your life. And you're going to think he's good and you're going to think he's charming, but he is not good and he does not mean you good. He wants to hurt you. And I want you to know that when that happens, I want you to remember that I told you today that when that happens, you need to run. I said, tell me that you hear me. Tell me that you understand me. And God was so good because her eyes filled up with tears. And she said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I hear you. Now, I don't know what happened beyond that. I don't know the rest of the story, but I know that God spoke to me that day and then God spoke through me that day. And if you will listen, God will speak to you and speak through you as well. Amen. Sometimes God's voice is not just for you, it's for others rescuing somebody or preventing somebody from human trafficking before it ever happens. What a bizarre thing. You don't naturally think that about the girl in the McDonald's drive-thru. You might think all kinds of other things, but you don't think anything about like, like, you know, she's about to be trafficked, but the Holy Spirit impresses on you and you actually get to prevent something. Can you imagine if we actually had a body of Christ that still knew how to hear God's voice? Hmm. 
Hmm. Could you imagine if all the people who consider themselves followers of Christ actually knew how to hear God's voice, not only for themselves, but for others, the amount of things we could prevent, the amount of good that could be done, the amount of bad that we could prevent by, by making the right decision, not just the decision that seems right in the moment. See, God is speaking. God is speaking specifically and God is speaking specifically to you. See, one of the biggest tricks when we talk about God speaking, one of the biggest tricks that people will believe is that God speaks through the preachers and God speaks through the minister or the priest or God speaks to or, or through the, 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 the prophet maybe if you come from a charismatic background, but God doesn't really speak to me very much. Listen, everything you need to hear the voice of God is in you. And what will happen is if you think you always have to come to the preacher to get a word from God, you will eventually idolize the preacher and he will become your God instead of God. Listen, I'm thankful that some of our pastors or myself might be able to help you hear what God is saying, but make no mistake, you do not need me to hear God. The only person you go to to get to God is Jesus. He becomes the righteous right hand of God. He becomes the one that is beside you, leading you. And this is what we mean when we say you can have a personal relationship with God. Now, I know a lot of people are like, that's crazy. It's like Christian jargon and they roll their eyes, personal relationship with God. What does that even mean? You know, you can actually believe it or not because he lives, he speaks. And because he speaks, you can actually have a relationship with him just like you have a relationship with others. It's like the old story of the little girl that went to church with her grandma and she came home after church and she asked grandma, she said, she said, who is Andy? See, what are you talking about Andy? She said, you guys were singing about Andy in church today. Andy who? She said, you guys sing, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, Andy tells me I am his own. <laughs> Listen, you can have a relationship with God because he lives, you can have a relationship with God where he walks with you and he talks with you and he tells you who you are in him. He tells you you are his own because he lives. He speaks and he speaks specifically and he speaks to you and he speaks in normal ways. Not every time I get a word from God, I, like I talk to God, like somebody like, it's just weird. Listen, this is what Christianity is. And if it's weird, it should be normal. We need a new normal where, where everything is not like this giant revolutionary moment. Sometimes I'm just like, God, is today going to get any better? Cause this sucks right now. It's like, God, is this message going to get any better? Because I don't know if they're getting it. You know, <laughs> I've had God say very simple things to me and I knew it was God and it wasn't profound. It wasn't life shattering. Sometimes God just wants a communication with you. He just wants to be real with you. He'll show you little things and little nuggets. That's what God does. And you can have a personal relationship with your creator, God, not a superficial one. We live in a world of superficial relationships where we have a lot of Facebook friends and we have a lot of Instagram followers and a lot of TikTok followers, but we don't have any actual friends. A lot of celebrities that you know everything about them, but you don't actually know them. We do not want to have a relationship with God where we know everything about him, but we don't actually know him. We want a relationship with God where you really know who he is. That's what he's calling us to and talk and communicate and be one with him as he and the father are one. That's John 17. Some say, some say, well, I, I don't hear anything, pastor. I'm a Christian and I don't, I don't hear God speak to me. And I would just say this, don't despise what you can't hear that other people can. Instead, learn to hear it. Yeah. Right now in this room, right now in this room, uh, there are some people that have headphones in right now. The headphones are connected to a transmitter that are upstairs in the upper room and they are transmitting in Spanish. And so some people are listening in Spanish right now. Yeah. Espanol, y'all, come on. And so they're listening, listening in Spanish right now. Most of you can't hear it at all. That does not mean it's not happening. Just because you can't hear what somebody else can hear doesn't mean it's wrong. Doesn't. So don't despise what somebody else can hear just because you can't hear it. Instead, lean into it and say, I want to learn to hear like you hear. I, I love the old Nietzsche quote that says, those who dance are considered insane by those who can't hear the music. <laughs> Listen, don't think they're insane just because you can't hear the music. Instead, lean into it. And somebody said like, I, I don't know all about this stuff, Pastor. That's just weird. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
over the next few weeks, uh, we are going in a series called The Voice. And um, over these next few weeks, we are going to teach you practical, simple steps of how every one of you can hear the voice of God for yourself. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. Who wouldn't want to hear the voice of God? And this is your opportunity to lean in and say, all right, I'm going to come for a little while at least, and I'm going to learn how to hear God's voice for myself. And I'm telling you, for some of you, it's going to change your life. There is no greater thing you will ever do than learn how to hear the voice of God. So like Mary, if you listen, you will end up hearing his voice before you see his face. It's like, a, it's like a helicopter or an airplane outside. Many of us have had the moment where you hear the airplane and then you're looking up going, where's that, right? And every once in a while, it's like behind a tree or behind a cloud or something like that. And you know it's there, you just can't see it because you know what an airplane sounds like. And so you're like, I, I'm looking for it, but I just don't see it. Listen, sometimes you will hear his voice before you actually see his face. And like Mary, Jesus has been speaking with you when you didn't recognize it was him. In fact, when you finally recognize it's him and you have that revelation moment, when you recognize that, you'll usually be able to look back over your life and go, God was speaking to me here and here and his protection was here and he was watching me in this area. And I never knew it until it's, it's like Mary. Mary didn't realize she was actually speaking to Jesus she couldn't see it until she has the moment of revelation. Many of us in this room say, God was with me all along. I didn't realize it. I didn't see it. He was speaking to me even when I didn't recognize it was his voice. That same thing can happen to some of you. So the question becomes, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Do you want to hear his voice? What is he saying to you? Let me just quickly pause and say this. There, there, there's some of you in this room that you're scared to hear the voice of God because you think he's going to threaten you be angry at you, scream at you. Listen, the voice of the Father is not a voice that's trying to destroy you. It's a voice that's trying to lift you up. He is the God that will call you to holiness and sanctification, but he is the God who will do it in a loving tone. I don't know what your mom and dad or any other person in your life, how they treated you in the way they spoke to you, but I can tell you that your heavenly father is perfect. And even in his correction, even in his rebukes, it will always be with a hand of lifting up. It is go and leave your life of sin no more. But at the same time, who's without sin cast the first stone. So what is, what is God saying to you? I want to begin to wrap up by saying this. Jesus is calling your name. Just like Mary. Jesus is calling your name. Who was, who was this Mary? This is Mary Magdalene. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It might confuse some of you. Who was Mary Magdalene? Like most of us don't know much about her. We might know more about the disciples, but who was Mary Magdalene? Well, according to two of the other gospels, she had some demons cast out of her. Not one, not three, not five, but seven demons. That's a good repertoire to get you in the ministry right there. <coughs> seven demons are cast out of her. Now, this is not biblical, but according to church history, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, which might make some sense with the seven demons. And so you have a woman who is a prostitute and demon-possessed who encounters Jesus and is radically changed. A woman who was looked down upon her entire life. She would have been ignored except for what, she could be, what people could get from her, what guys could get from her. She would have felt unworthy all of her life. And then all of a sudden, this Jesus character comes along. And this woman who's probably dirty and destitute and demon-possessed, probably has voices talking to her in her head and everything that goes along with that, every voice but God, all of a sudden, that Jesus shows up on the scene and reaches down and pulls her up, brings her healing, brings her restoration, calls her worthy, where everybody else has called her unworthy. He picks her up. So what does she do? She's a prostitute. She probably doesn't have a place to go home to so much. By that point, her family would have disowned her. The demonic activity in her life would have made her an outcast to society. She probably was essentially homeless. So what does she do? Well, 
Jesus, is it cool if I like follow you too? And Jesus is like, yeah, which is crazy because in that time period, you only let men follow you. So you have this small group of women, Mary Magdalene is one of them, that starts following the master too and going everywhere he goes. And he begins to provide for her. So she's not a disciple, but she's watched the blind eyes be opened. She's watched a few basketfuls feed 5,000. She has been there when he has provided for her. She loves this man and she has nowhere else to go. So she's given her whole life fully over to this Jesus person. That's her life. That's her everything. And then, and then she watches as the same crowd who said, Hosanna, Christ, crucify him. And she's probably heartbroken. She's watched as a crown of thorns is put on his head and it's, he's beaten on the back with a cat of nine tails to the point that his body would have been mutilated on his back. She's watched as he's carried a cross. He's put on the cross and he's crucified. I know about the other disciples, but what does Mary Magdalene think about all this? That man is her life. He's not just my savior. He's, he is the only place I know where to go. I can't go back to where I came from. Where do I go in all this? And she watches as he's on the cross, taken down from the cross. She might've been one of the ones as her responsibility as a servant to actually help embalm the body and prepare the body. They put the body inside the tomb. All she has left is a tomb, y'all, that's it. At least I can go to the grave site. At least I can go honor him there. And so they put him in the tomb because it's, because it's, it's the Sabbath they have to leave and they're not allowed to do much on the Sabbath so they go away. She probably doesn't sleep for two days, which might be part of the reason she didn't recognize him at first. I'm just playing this out in a theater of my mind, but I can imagine that she gets very little sleep to none. And that's why she's there so early on the resurrection morning. And she gets there probably pre-dawn, just trying to do something for this man who did everything for me. Maybe I could plant some flowers. Maybe I could do something to the grave. Maybe I could do something because I love him. He was everything to me. And she gets there and the tomb is empty. What do I do with the empty tomb? Who stole the body? They've already done enough to this man. Why would they steal his body too? This makes no sense. So she runs back and gets Peter and John and they all run to the tomb together and find it empty. Peter and John leave. And Mary Magdalene is still there at the tomb, weeping. The Bible says, weeping, John would account. Weeping, she remains. Why is she remaining? Where's she going to go? He was everything. Where's she going to go? And through her tears, as she's weeping, she begins to look in the tomb and see, this is weird. There's people inside the tomb that are now referred to as angels. There's these angels inside the tomb that are like, why are you crying? And she's like, what do you mean, why am I crying? Every woman in the room is like, I will smack you right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why am I crying? I'll show you why I'm crying. You... <laughs> she's heartbroken. She's frustrated. She's hurting. She has seen him crucified, dead, and buried. Can I just say a quick side note and say this? You may see one thing and hear another. She sees that he's dead. She's seen it with her own eyes, but she's hearing his voice. That doesn't make sense. That makes no sense. Can I, can I just tell you, can I just tell you, for all the Christians, everybody else in the house, just pause for all the Christians in the house, oftentimes you will see one thing and hear something else. That's what faith is. That God will actually lead you in such a way that what your eyes see and what his voice says are two different things. And you're going to be at a junction that you actually lean into what he's saying or you lean into what your eyes see. She saw a dead body. She had known he had died, but she hears his voice. These two things don't line up. And that's what God does all the time. 
over and over and over in the Bible. God will lead people into things. Things will happen in their life that he will say one thing (laughs) and they see something else. Are you listening to the voice of God or are you just going by sight alone? It's funny to me because she runs back to the disciples in a moment and she says, I have seen the Lord, but she didn't see the Lord until she heard the Lord. You will never see the goodness of God in your life until you recognize his voice speaking to your life. Listen, I have never physically seen the Lord. I've seen bad pictures of the Lord, uh, European pictures of Jesus. You know, I've seen those. We probably had some horrible ones in the, the, you know, I've seen those, but I've never actually seen the Lord, not out of my eyes, but I've heard his voice, but I've heard his voice. And just like with my sons, just like with my sons, if I can hear them, I know they're there. I know where, if I can hear him, I know where he's at. I don't necessarily have to see him, but there will come a day when my faith becomes sight. Are you leaning into what you're hearing or just what you're seeing? I see him dead, but I hear him alive. That's a lot of what faith looks like. So she's sitting there at the tomb weeping, getting a prophetic word from angels that she doesn't understand or even want in that moment. You ever get a prophetic word that's straight from God, but you don't even want to hear it? Well, he's alive. Well, great. Where's he at? So the angels are prophesying over her. She doesn't want to hear it. She's sitting there at the tomb weeping, crying. Some gardener's talking some stuff over here. She's like, where is he taking him? Where? And she's broken. She's hopeless. She has nowhere to go. And then she hears one, one word. It wasn't the only word because God was speaking before, but it's the first word she recognized. One word changed everything. Mary. Mary. In Hebrew, Miriam. Mary. In that one word, you got to remember who she is, y'all. She's a prostitute. You don't call prostitutes by name. The men in her life had abused her and never honored her with the dignity of her name because you don't want to know a prostitute's name. You don't actually want intimacy. The one man who actually cared for her says the name. (laughs) Mary. This is not a social media. This is not a celebrity relationship where, 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 where I know all about the celebrity, but they don't know me. No, no, the celebrity knows you and he calls you by name. Mary. Mary. And in one word, in one word, everything changes. All of the gloom and despair, everything changes. Her world goes from dark to light. Her word goes from broken to whole. It still doesn't make sense. But all of a sudden, if y'all remember this, it turns that frown upside down, some of it. She goes from weeping to celebrating, from sadness to happiness, from despair to hope in one word, in one word, in one word. It all changed in one word because she heard it. He was speaking before, but she heard it this time. Andy and Heather Burtis's testimony, one word last year and darkness went to light. Some of you this morning, you come in in despair and darkness and brokenness and God is calling your name. He knows you. You may not know him nearly as well, but he knows you. And he's saying, Michael, Vanessa, he's calling you by name. It's a personal relationship he wants with you. And when you actually recognize his voice and surrender to it, it changes everything. He knows your name. And I love this because some people are like, oh, I'm not worthy of God. You got to understand who Mary Magdalene was, man. She's demon possessed, prostitute whose life was changed, but she's not a disciple still. In fact, in that time period, a woman's testimony had no value in court. And so it wasn't a very smart thing for Jesus to reveal himself to Mary first because she couldn't even testify on their behalf if they said it didn't happen. 
So, so he reveals himself to Mary, this, this woman who was the least. And she runs and shares the first sermon of the gospel message. I have seen the Lord. It's always funny to me. Like, I'm going to step on all kinds of toes. I'm sorry. It's always funny to me that some people are like, women shouldn't preach. The first preacher to share the good news was a former demon-possessed prostitute woman who runs to tell everybody, I have seen the Lord. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what's happening. All I know is that my faith became sight. What I heard became my sight. And I have seen something. And she was the first one to see and recognize the Lord. Not Matthew, not Peter, not John, none of them. Listen, God's been doing that for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, he's been going to the least of these. He will pass right over all of us who think we are full of pride and think we're all that. And God, you ought to use me because I'm really good. You know, all of us who really think we're somebody, he'll go right to the people that, that we think God couldn't use and speak right to them and build their church on them, build his church on them, on their testimony. God is speaking to you and he's calling you by name. And that one name can change everything. Light has come. I've never seen his face, but I've heard his voice. And if I can hear his voice, I know he's there. And if he's there, everything's going to be okay. Some of you this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts right now. Would you stand up with me? Some of you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts right now. I use that terminology, speaking to your hearts, because some people think when we say we hear from God that it's an audible voice, and that does happen on occasion, but that's not the normal thing. Usually it's much more of an impression that happens on your spirit that you learn to recognize and separate from the other impressions that you have. And some of you know that right now, and if you're waiting for a a literal audible voice, you're going to miss because the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart, and you know it. He's calling you. He's calling you by name. And he wants a relationship with you. You know, there's a refrain that echoes throughout the Bible. Quite a few times it's said in different ways. And once in Hebrews 3, it says it this way. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Some of you today, God is speaking to you. And you're beginning to reflect on this idea of hearing his voice. Don't harden your hearts to it. Surrender to it. Because the more you surrender to it, the more you'll be able to hear his voice in the future. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk in depth about this. And I want to walk you through practical steps of how to hear the voice of God in your life. Not to be mystical and weird, but to be somebody who can hear the author of the universe speaking to you individually and personally. And you can, and he will. And it's going to be powerful. But right now, there's some of you that God is speaking to you right now, saying today is the day to surrender your life to Christ. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.